The law of conformity states most people tend to agree to proposals, products, or services that will be perceived as acceptable by the majority of his peer group. So how do you use this for yourself? How do you actually put this into practice and start leveraging this for yourself? Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr. And today we're gonna be talking about persuasion psychology, how to get yourself to do the things that you don't always want to do. And you might find yourself struggling with certain things like working out consistently or eating healthy or getting to bed on time, having a difficult conversation that you know that you need to have or finding time to read, whatever it is that you want to be more consistent with, things that you want to execute on more than you do now, or maybe you don't do them at all now and you want to you know, turn the page and, and just find that part of you that's able to do the things that you just struggle being able to do. And I look back on my life and there were certain moments that were, there were inflection points, right? There were a couple of laws of psychology at work that I want to share with you today. These laws of psychology that you can use to leverage against yourself, to trick yourself. It's almost like cheating, but you can get yourself to perform at a higher level when you do these things. Now, I think that they're already happening anyway. So I think you're cheating yourself if you don't use these. All right. So here's the first one. See if you can identify the theme. And I'm going to tell you some examples. Again, these inflection points in my life where I went from one level to another level, whether it's in sports or business or my relationships or health. When I made a big jump and I want to see if you can identify the theme. And, and at the end, yeah, I want to, after I share with you some of these points, these times where this happened, I'm going to share with you what that theme is and what that law of psychology is so you can use it against yourself. So by the way, this is episode 313. If you like it, share it with a friend. Go to jimharsherjr.com slash share, and there are a couple share links. You can share this on social media. By the way, if you take a screenshot of this right now on your phone or your computer, put it on social media, put it on Twitter, or put it on Instagram, and you tag me, you will get a special invitation to join one of my mastermind group calls, one of the big group calls where I have all of my clients on and sometimes we have special guests, oftentimes podcast guests where I bring them on and we talk about a specific topic. So you'll get an invitation to one of those conversations with some world-class performer who I have coming up soon. I have several lined up. So if you wanna get an invitation to one of those, screenshot this, post it to social media and tag me. And I look forward to uh, engaging with you on social media. All right. So here are a few inflection points in my life. When I was wrestling, there were moments I look back when I just made these huge jumps in, you know, psychologically and physically. One of them was going to my neighboring high school. And I used to go down to their wrestling room and train with a good friend of mine named Teague Moore, who went on to be an NCAA champion and Nas US national team member. But his older brother, Ty Moore, was there. And Time Wars teammates were there, and guys named Ray Brinzer, Rich Catalano. These guys are, they were superstars in high school. They went on to be all Americans in college. Ray Brinzer and Rich Catalano did. Time Moore won four Pennsylvania State Championships. Four. He was one of the best high school wrestlers of all time, arguably the best high school wrestler of all time. Him and a guy named Kerry Collat is probably maybe one of the other ones, but these guys were just elite. I got to be in the room practicing with these guys. 
Teague and I would be down, you know, in one end of the wrestling room working out, and we'd look up the other end of the room. There's these guys beating each other up and doing crazy hard things, right? So that was one inflection point. Here's another one. When I made the, the national team, the Pennsylvania national team, whenever we get to go compete at the national championships, we would go to this training camp for a week. And it was all the best kids in the state of Pennsylvania, which is the best wrestling state in the country. Sorry, any of my Ohio wrestling fans who are listening. But Pennsylvania wrestling is just second to none. I mean, Ohio is right up there in New Jersey, New York. There's a lot of great states. But man, you've got the best guys in the country banging heads in the same room. We got these great coaches. Like that was an inflection point for me. That was an aha moment for me. There's another one. When I'm in college, I, I remember after practice sitting there talking to a guy named Mike Kraftcheck. He was an All-American and I'm a freshman and I'm actually sitting on the airdyne. I'm sitting on the bike. And I just remember this moment so clearly in my head. And Mike is sitting there on the mat and I'm on the airdyne on the bicycle and kind of doing some extra work at the end of practice. And I'm like, Mike, like, how'd you do it? How'd you get so good? And he shared with me about the work ethic and the types of things that he did that, that nobody else saw. And I'm like, ah, okay, light bulb moment. And another one in my wrestling career was when I got to my first time training at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. I got invited out there to train and I get to compete with some of the best in the world. Huge lessons were learned there. Okay, that's in my wrestling career. These same inflection points happened in business, right? One of them was when I got my first time getting investor funding into a software company that I built. And when I got into the orbit of this amazing entrepreneur, he brought me into the orbits of other amazing entrepreneurs. That was one inflection point. Another one was becoming part of a mastermind group. I started this mastermind group and started surrounding myself with amazing entrepreneurs. A third inflection point for me was when I joined this online group of entrepreneurs, signed up, paid money, and joined this online group of this community of entrepreneurs. These were all inflection points. In my relationship, in my marriage, when I started you know, meeting some guys at church and hanging around these men who talked about marriage differently than I had really heard marriage talked about before, they talked about women differently than sort of you know, the world does and, and a lot of other people who were in my sphere of influence at the time talked about women. And so this was an inflection point for me. Another one for in my, my fitness and health, you know, I wake up early and I do really hard things now, you know, wake up a lot, a lot of days at five o'clock, a little bit before five even. And I go run down the street about a mile to a workout with a bunch of guys and we do a hard workout. And there's lots of guys who are doing this. This has been an inflection point in my life, in my fitness life. Now, these are all positive ones. I, there, there are plenty of negative ones too. You know, when I was a kid and when I was in college, I, I, I not only hung out with some amazing wrestlers, amazing athletes, amazing people who went on to do amazing things, but I also had another crowd that I hung out with. And, you know, sometimes that crowd did, a, did the wrong things. Because of me hanging out with that crowd, I, I put things into my body that I shouldn't have, some things that were illegal. I shouldn't have done those things. I had the decision to make, but, but I was also with the wrong crowd in the wrong environment. In college, I, I got into fights, things that, that I regret, that I shouldn't have done. There were certain people that, were, that I was around that led me to do these things. I made the decision. It's my fault. But there were these influences. So what's the theme? Right? I gave you all these different examples. What's the theme? The theme is this, conformity to a peer group. Conformity to a peer group. 
all of these things were inflection points in my life. The law that I was talking about, this, this law of psychology is called this. It's called the law of conformity. The law of conformity. I'm going to give you the definition. This is the definition from a website called manusclerk.com. I'm going to put the link in the action plan. So if you want this, go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. There's a great blog post there and you can read more on this. But here is the definition straight from that website. Quote, the law of conformity says most people tend to agree to proposals, products, or services that will be perceived as acceptable by the majority of his or her peer group. Your peer group. Is it acceptable to your peer group? Your peer group is influencing you, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you're choosing it or not, it's happening right now. Maybe it's not negative, maybe it's not positive, maybe it's just neutral. And that's just pulling you into the average. If you're listening to this, you don't wanna be average, right? The people who I work with who are my clients, they, you know, being average scares the crap out of them. And that's probably why you're listening to this too. You're trying to level up. You're trying to find those insights. You're trying to figure out that next level. You know you have more potential inside of you, right? If you do, figure out the peer group you need to be around. You're going to conform and do and accept whatever that peer group does and accepts, right? Whether it's good or bad or average. We see this all the time at sporting events, especially. Right. You know, imagine imagine your team, whatever your favorite team is, NFL football team. Imagine they make it to the Super Bowl and you're watching your team and it's crazy and it's exciting and they score a touchdown and you jump up and you cheer and man, the energy and the environment, everything. Right. Well, imagine this. Take every fan out of the stands. There's no fans, none, zero, but just you. And you're sitting in that stadium in the same seat, but there's no fans. There's nobody around cheering. When your team scores a touchdown, yeah, you're going to be stoked. You're going to be happy. You might jump up and cheer even, but you're not going to have the same energy. You're not going to have the same reactions when you're by yourself. You're just not. I remember I was at the UVA basketball game against Syracuse University. This is, gosh, I don't even remember what year. It was probably around 2015, I think it was. We beat Syracuse for the regular season ACC championship. I hadn't done this in decades. And the feeling in that arena was absolutely magical. And I'm looking around and people are crying because there's people who have been, you know, fans who have been with this program and, and, you know, following the team and buying season tickets for decades. And they remember the last time. And, and it's been so long that so many heartbreaks and ups and downs. And there was so much energy there. And I was feeling it too. I hadn't been a fan nearly as long or a diehard fan nearly as long, but you know, I was absorbing all this energy. And guess what I was doing? I was excited and jumping around and feeling the emotions and talking to my boys who were with me. And I'm like talking to them, I'm like, look around. I'm like, soak this in. This is amazing. Look at these people around here. They've been like, like they've been wanting this for decades and it's finally happening. Like really, you know, soak this in. But if you took all those fans out of the stands, would I have been happy? Yeah, sure. Would I have been reacting? The same way? Would I have had the same emotion? Done the same actions? No, I wouldn't have. This is the law of conformity. You can use it against yourself. Again, the law of conformity states, most people tend to agree to proposals, products, or services that will be perceived as acceptable by the majority of his peer group. So how do you use this for yourself? How do you actually put this into practice and start leveraging this for yourself? 
Well, if you want to start a business, join a business group. Even if you've not started your, your business yet, you'll conform. You want to get fit? Join a fitness group. Even if you're not in shape yet, you'll conform. Like I said, this works both ways. You want to drink more alcohol? Join a drinking group. Even if it's just a group of your friends who drink a lot, you'll conform. You want to be more negative? Like that person down the hall who's just negative and always complains? Well, join a group of people in your office who bitch and moan about everything, blame others for their failure, and they're negative all the time. You'll conform. It's your choice. This is part of what we call in my coaching program in Reveal Your Path. We call this the environment of excellence. This is something we specifically work on. I mean, there's a, a worksheet that my clients are, they fill out and we talk about this and we act upon this. Specifically, taking action on this. Quick interruption. If you like what you're hearing here and you want to learn how you can implement this into your life, just go to jimharshajr.com slash apply to see how you can get a free one-on-one coaching session with me. That's jimharshajr.com slash apply. Now back to the show. If you want to learn more about the environment of excellence, go back to episode 152. There's a whole episode on the environment of excellence. This is critical, right? So this is the first of the two laws of psychology that I wanted to share with you that you can use against yourself to get yourself to do things to be that next level of you now, okay? These things are already happening. They're already taking place in your life, right? You're already conforming to whatever environment you're in. How can you change that environment? Change your peer group. Maybe it's just once a week, once a month. Maybe it's every day, whatever it is. How can you get into that different peer group that's going to help you be that next version, that next level of yourself? Okay, so that's the first one. I'm going to go to the second one here. There's research that says that when you smile, it actually makes you feel happier. Even if they, you know, there's research that shows even taking a pen, putting it in your mouth and biting it with your teeth, which forces you to smile, right? Forces you to use those same muscles. Even though it's not a real smile, it still changes your psychology. It changes your body. It changes the way you think. Unconsciously, you find yourself happier. It's some subconscious, deep, subtle way. And so I, I leverage this for myself. Like when I'm, when I'm running or doing something really hard that I don't want to do, I smile. A lot of times when I get out of bed early in the morning, five o'clock, I force myself to smile. And when I do, I just, I, I really pay attention to this stuff because I'm, talking to you about this. I'm talking to my clients about it all the time. Like I really pay attention to what's happening inside my body and the feelings that I have. And when I smile, the dial turns just, just a couple of clicks towards positivity. It doesn't take me from like, oh, this sucks. I don't want to get up and go work out to like, oh man, I can't wait. This is the best thing. No, it doesn't do that. But it shifts me subtly towards happiness, towards gratitude, towards looking for a reason why I want to do the thing that I'm going to do or doing, right? Like if it's a really hard thing and I'm, I'm miserable and I don't feel like doing it and I'm in the middle of it, and maybe it's a long run and I force myself to smile unconsciously. I feel myself seeking ways like to justify my smile. That's what's happening. That's the unconscious psychology that's going on. And I'm like in the, in the things that come up in that type of moment are, man, I'm healthy enough to go for a run or I'm getting in better shape right now, or 
I'm out here early in the morning doing something hard. Man, this is really healthy. This is good for my body. Like, like it forces you to think of those things. Okay, so that's one example. Another one is good posture, right? If you stand up straight and have good posture, there's a change in your psychology. Research shows that it makes you more confident. I'm standing tall, therefore, I must be more confident, right? You can change your, your, your body, the, the way you stand, your posture, your body language, and that influences you. You wanna be more confident? Do what confident people do. Give another example of this. When I was a kid, I, I, was, a, I was a crier. I, when I lost wrestling matches, <laughs> I cried, man, up until like sixth grade. I think seventh grade was probably the last time I like cried. Actually, no, I, I cried in college, I'll be honest, after I lost my, my last wrestling match of my career ever. I got pinned and it was a horrible, horrible feeling, you know, but I was still all American experiencing these crazy range of emotions, like tears of joy and tears of like, oh my gosh, I just got pinned. I hadn't been pinned all since like middle school. But I was, man, I was a cryer. Every time I lost when I was a kid, I just cried. You know, wrestling's a very personal sport. It's not like losing in, in a lot of other sports. Like, you know, football, basketball, like you lose as a team. It's, you know, you kind of have other people to experience that with. You know, certainly the, the big games, you, you know, you see a lot, of, a lot of athletes crying. You know, you know, swimming and running, they're, you know, certainly personal, but like not, like wrestling, there's something uniquely about like when you lose, you are physically dominated by the other human being who you are trying to dominate. Like you physically got beaten down. It's so, it's humiliating and it's very, very personal. And so anyway, I cried. I was a crier. I remember being at the Hampton tournament, which was like a half an hour from my house. And I lost to a guy named Jamie and Jamie H. If you're listening out there, Jamie, you remember, he used to always beat me, man. I finally got his number later on, like in middle school or high school. But like, I remember I was in like maybe like fourth grade, fifth grade, Jamie beat me and a friend of mine, his name's Joe Demore. His mom came over to me and she said, "His mom, Sharon, Sharon Demore." She said, um, "She saw me crying, my head's down." And she said, "Jim, get your chin up." And I was like, "What?" And you know, so I, I lifted my chin up. And the weird thing is, I stopped crying. You can't physically—I couldn't in that moment—be physically humiliated and you know sad while also holding my head up proudly as if I won the match. I couldn't do both at the same time. So if I simply lifted my head up and showed my head to the world, my face to the world and stood more confidently, I couldn't simultaneously cry. It was a fascinating like psychology experiment that, that I, I learned. And thank goodness for Mrs. Demore, because I, I used this on myself later on. And if I wanted to stop myself from crying, I could just hold my head up. And it was this psychology at work. And there's a law for this, a psychological law. And it's, it's, this is it. It's called the law of consistency. Okay. Again, from the same website, here's the definition. The law of consistency says when an individual announces in writing or verbally a position on any issue or point of view, he will strongly tend to defend that belief regardless of its accuracy, even in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary. All right? Now, when you hear this, you're thinking like, okay, this is about what you might, something you might state to the world, right? You might state your beliefs about something. And therefore you have to like sort of, you sort of unconsciously feel like you have to defend that regardless of the accuracy of that original statement, even in the face of overwhelming evidence of the contrary, 
It's true also internally, right? You have to unconsciously, you feel forced to be consistent with your posture, your smile, how you carry yourself, as well as your words and your writing and announcements to the world. Like standing tall is an announcement to the world that I am confident. And so therefore you have to act confident and you have to not just act, but be confident. You become confident when you stand up straight, right? If you're crying because you lost something and you hold your head up, you have to act more confident. You have to act more proud. And when I took my chin from down to up and I was crying because I lost a wrestling match, I started feeling proud of what am I proud of? Well, I, I did get that first takedown. I did win two matches prior to that. And I got to the finals of the tournament. You start finding reason unconsciously to, to justify your belief. Justify what you've stated to the world. This is the law of consistency. I'm going to read it again. When an individual announces in writing or verbally a position on any issue or point of view, he will strongly tend to defend that belief regardless of its accuracy, even in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary. Where else do we see this? Well, wrestling is you know, the sport that I chose. I think it's the greatest sport. And I've said that, so therefore I have to defend it, right? Even if swimming is the greatest sport or track is the greatest sport or football is the greatest, whatever it is, like I have to defend that statement because I believe, I, I've said that and, and I believe it. And I'll take that to my grave. Even if there's like overwhelming evidence to the contrary. UVA, I think UVA is the greatest school. There are plenty of, you know, plenty of evidence that it's not, you know, it was the number one rated public school in the country, but there's like all these other higher rated schools that are private schools, right? I think it's the greatest school. And I can tell you a million reasons why. And I would justify that. In my head, I can justify it all day long. That I can justify that Pittsburgh is the greatest city, that America is the greatest country. This is the law of consistency at work. It's happening to us. You're doing it. I'm doing it. The place that I hate to see it the most, where we see it all the time, is politics. It's one of the reasons I hate politics. Because whether you're a Republican or Democrat, you feel you're right and you have to defend it. You have to defend it. And you don't even know. I don't care what side you're on. You don't even know that you are defending something that's wrong just because you believe it. It happens all the time. We can see it on both sides. I've caught myself doing it before. We see this all the time and you have to leverage it. This is, this is an opportunity for you to not only recognize it, but leverage it against yourself for success, right? It, this works in positive ways, negative ways. If you say that, you know, I didn't have a fair shake in life, so I can't succeed. Unconsciously, you have to defend that. You're going to live that out. If you say, I didn't have a fair shake at life, so I'm primed to succeed. Unconsciously, you have to defend that. You have to act as if. You have to act that out, live that out. So how can you do this for yourself? How can you leverage the law of consistency? How can you leverage the law? We talked about the law of conformity. How do you now leverage the law of consistency for success for yourself? All right, here's one thing that I do. I use I am statements. These are the most powerful, the two most powerful words, I am. I mean, it's biblical. I mean, Jesus, God is a great I am. I mean, I am. When you say these words, it is stating, announcing your identity. I'm a loving and caring father. I'm attentive. I'm patient. 
guess what? You have to find ways to live that out because you want to be consistent with that. That's the law of consistency. It's used in sales all the time. Sir, ma'am, you want your kids to be safe? Yeah. Do you want a, an affordable car? Yep. Do you want to spend too much on a, on a luxury vehicle that you don't need? Nope. Okay, well, this is the card for you. It has this and this and this. It has all the safety features. You're not going to overspend. It's the right car. It's economical. Blah, blah, blah. Boom. That's how you sell somebody. You get them to say things, state things, agree to those things, and then you provide them the solution. That's the law of consistency. Like you say, I, you know, I, one of my I am statements is I am healthy and fit. Guess what? Unconsciously, I have to be consistent to that. I want to be consistent. I'm just, I'm drifting towards consistency with that statement. Now, if you're not actively controlling those thoughts and not saying those I am statements out loud, then that, that negative voice inside us can say, I'm lazy. I'm not consistent with my workouts or I just never find time to read. Guess what? You'll be consistent with that. What else can you do? You can smile when you do hard things or when you have to do hard things, right? Something you don't want to do. I got to do this project for the boss. Ah, this sucks. I don't want to do this. Or you know what? I'm going to show the boss how well I can do this. It's your choice. You're going to be consistent with whichever one of those statements you want to make, you'll be consistent with. Smile when you get to do something like that for the boss. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Smile, right? It'll turn that dial just a couple of clicks in the direction you need it to click, right? What else can you do? You can stand tall. This is a simple tactic that I learned from Jordan Harbinger. Interviewed him way back in episode 114, but he shares these tactics you can do like that to change your psychology, right? Stand tall. You will be consistent. It will force you because you've made that announcement to the world that I am confident, you will then be more confident. You can change your words. I talked about this before. I used to hate running because I associated it with cutting weight for wrestling when I was a kid. It wasn't like, you know, ninth grade. I started cutting weight. It's like terrible thing. And by the way, for the moms listening, like that's a, it's a, you know, nothing like it was back in those days. Thankfully they've changed the rules and everything, but man, that's how I associated running. I associated running with miserable things, but now I've changed that. I've changed my language years ago, like about seven years ago, I started changing my language saying, you know, I'm starting to enjoy running. I'm starting to get better at running. Then I ran a half marathon and now a marathon I've run. Change your language. What else can you do? Like, I want you to think about how you tactically can put this in place in your life. Next time you talk to your neighbor, next time you talk to your colleague, say something that you want to be consistent with. You could say, you know, I love it when I put my phone down and I focus on my kids. I love turning my phone off in the evenings instead of saying, ah, man, I'm, I'm addicted to that thing, right? Change your language around it and you'll be more consistent with it. You could say, I, you know, I usually don't check email until about 10 a.m. Then now you'll be more consistent with that. Like instead of getting sucked into email right away in the beginning of your workday, find something else to be consistent with. I've been enjoying getting up early to work out or I look forward to waking up early to go work out. You state these things, you make these announcements, these statements to the world, and you wanna live by them, right? So figure out what those statements are for you. I mean, take action on this stuff now. Use the law of consistency, use the law of conformity to your advantage. You can print out the action plan, we'll have the definitions of 
both of those right on that PDF for you. You can go to jimharshojr.com slash action. If you want to learn how to put this stuff in place in your life, sign up for your free one-time coaching call with me, jimharshojr.com slash apply. You'll get a link. You'll see where my all the accessibility on my calendar, which is fairly limited, but there are still some time slots in there. Check it out. We can actually start to put this stuff into place in your life. And as always, give this a share with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This is episode 313. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you want to apply these principles into your life, let's talk. You can see the limited spaces that are open on my calendar at jimharshajr.com slash apply, where you can sign up for a free one-time coaching call directly with me. And don't forget to grab your action plan. Just go to jimharshojr.com slash action. And lastly, iTunes tends to suggest podcasts with more ratings and reviews more often. You would totally make my day if you give me a rating and review. Those go a long way in helping me grow the podcast audience. Just open up your podcast app. If you have an iPhone, do a search for success through failure, select it, and then scroll the whole way to the bottom where you can leave the podcast a rating and a review. Now, I hope this isn't just another podcast episode for you. I hope you take action on what you learned here today. Good luck and thanks for listening.